Find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. Welcome to the Brutal, Bizarre, and Boozy podcast. I'm Declan, the son. And I'm Jane, the mom. This is the podcast where we talk about brutal crimes, bizarre occurrences, and get you drunk with cocktails themed around one of our stories. To lighten things up, we'd like to end our time with a chaser. Please keep in mind some of our stories might be upsetting to young or sensitive ears. We love hearing from our listeners, so feel free to contact us by email or social media. You can find our contact info in the show notes for this episode. If you'd like to support us through Patreon, you can find us there at Brutal, Bazaar, and Boozy Podcast, or use the link in our show notes. Oh, hi! If you're looking for another spooky and funny podcast to add to your rotation, check out Anything Bones, now part of the Podmoth Network. Hey, Boneheads, I'm Sophie Schwartz. And I'm Caitlin Hart. And we're the hosts of Anything Bones, the podcast where we talk about bones and bone-related topics. Sophie? What are bone-related topics? Thank you for asking, Caitlin. This can be anything from mausoleums to murderers, famous skeletons to cadaver dogs. Bone churches, mummies, serial killers. You'll hear about them all. And sometimes we have guests stop by and tell us their favorite bony tales. Check out Anything Bones on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or wherever your little heart desires. We release new episodes every Saturday. Bone Voyage! Alrighty, Mom, what are you going to be telling us about today? I am going to be telling you the story about Oscar Pistorius. He was a... He was an Olympic sprinter. And he won some records and medals and then he killed somebody oh shit okay yeah yes so what are you going to be telling us about i'm going to be talking about the battle of los angeles oh that sounds ominous it's kind of weird not gonna lie okay to go with this, I have a cocktail called the Hotel California. It's one ounce of gold tequila, two ounces of mandarin juice, two ounces of pineapple juice, and top it off with champagne. Shake everything in an ice-filled shaker except for the champagne. Pour it into an ice-filled glass and then top the champagne. So let's give it a yeah. try. Here we go. I don't think I like that. I'm not a fan of it either. The tequila and the champagne have like an ex when they combine, it tastes like dirty feet or something. Well, tequila always tastes like dirt to me, but that tastes more dirt like. Yeah, that was, it's okay. I'll finish it, but it's not great. No, I don't know that I'm a fan of it. It's a cool name, though. I like the name. Yeah. And it goes with the Battle of L.A. because L.A. happens we to go. be in California. <sighs> Shocking. Shocking. <laughs> 
also. The Battle of Los Angeles, also known as the Great Los Angeles Air Raid, was a remarkable incident that occurred during World War II. On the night of February 24, 1942, tensions and paranoia were at an all-time high as the United States was recovering from the devastating attack on Pearl Harbor just a few months prior. The nation was on edge, fearing further assaults from the Japanese. In the early hours of that fateful morning, the city of Los Angeles was gripped by a terrifying and perplexing event. Approximately 2.25 a.m., air raid sirens blared, signaling a possible imminent attack. The city was thrown into chaos as searchlights scoured the sky and anti-aircraft artillery opened fire. The streets were filled with frightened civilians seeking shelter and the, ten- and the tensions were palpable. According to reports, the unidentified flying objects appeared as glowing, fast-moving objects. Witnesses described them as swirling lights. The anti-aircraft barrage lasted for more than an hour with an estimated 1,400 rounds of ammunition fired into the sky. Wow. Yeah. So they saw this thing on the radar and then they actually, like, someone actually saw it. So they put up these giant searchlights and, like, a Batman signal to try and find it and just started shooting into the sky. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that doesn't seem wise. Yeah. Despite the intense firepower, no enemy aircraft were shot down and no damage was caused to the city. Okay, the so they of, uh, saw it on radar, mm-hmm. and they started shooting at what they thought they saw on the radar, but then nothing happened? Well, there were lights up in the sky, so they saw it on radar, and then someone right, you saw said the it was a glowing and started orb? shooting at it. Yeah. Uh, I don't like that. Yeah. The Battle of Los Angeles remains shrouded in mystery with various theories and explanations proposed to explain the events of that night. Let's delve deeper into some of the most intriguing ones. First theory suggests that the Battle of Los Angeles was a genuine enemy attack, specifically by the Japanese. At the time, fears of invasion were widespread and the incident seemed to confirm these fears. However, no evidence of enemy aircraft was ever found, and the Japanese government denied any involvement. Another popular theory posed that the Battle of Los Angeles was a case of war nerves or mass hysteria. In the midst of the war, people were on edge, and combination of anxiety, imagination, and the pressure of the situation may have led to a misinterpretation of ordinary objects in the sky. I'd say a glowing orb swirling around isn't necessarily an ordinary object in the sky, but no, no, I, especially I in the forties, yeah, I don't think they had super advanced helicopters or planes or even drones. So, no. However, some argue that the war nerves explanation falls short in explaining the amount of firepower unleashed during the incident because they were shooting for over an hour. That's jeez. That's That's a a lot. lot. Yeah. They believe there must have been a real target for the anti-aircraft artillery, even if it wasn't a conventional enemy aircraft. One of the more intriguing stories suggests that the objects witnessed during the Battle of Los Angeles were actually extraterrestrial in nature. 
Proponents of this theory believe that these unidentified objects were spaceships from another world, observing or possibly even testing the defenses of humanity. This theory, although highly speculative, has captured the imagination of many over the years. And another thing that I just realized I forgot to mention was right after the like parts of LA went into total blackout. Oh. I mean, maybe it could be that they overcharged the power grid by using the searchlights, but I doubt that. I don't. Well, I wonder too, like if some people voluntarily blacked out, you know, like if a few houses turned all their lights off and then the neighbors noticed and then they turned their lights off. Well, no, it was like a blackout, like people had no power. Okay, so it wasn't just they turned the lights off to... Because I Mm. think that they did that a lot of times when air raids happened was you were supposed to turn, like, all your lights off, all your power, so that whoever was coming to attack you wouldn't see where your your house house was. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, so... don't think it was the entire LA area. I think it was just certain parts of it that were shut down. Oh. But it wow. went into like a complete blackout. Wow. So a lot of people think like, oh, these motherfuckers are guys in the UFO are like, these motherfuckers are shooting at us. We're just gonna blast their houses <laughs> and they're yeah. gonna have electricity for exactly. the next hour. Yeah. Ooh, that would suck. Yeah. Well, no like definition. I mean there's there's really no explanation for what happened, but just theories. Yeah. Another theory was that it was a weather balloon, but it's always a weather balloon. Yeah, it's that, never a weather. It's balloon. always a weather balloon, and a weather balloon probably would have been taken down by fourteen hundred rounds of ammunition. But I don't. Very likely. Maybe yeah. this thing was made out of like titanium. I don't know. Ugh. Wild. So tell us about your story, Mom. Okay. My story is about the Olympic athlete, Oscar Pistorius. He was born on November 22nd, 1986 in Johannesburg, South Africa. He was the middle of three children to Hank and Sheila Pistorius. Early life for Oscar was different than most babies as he was born without the outside of both feet and without the fibula in both of his legs. The fibula is the outside bone. So the fibula is the outside bone. Yes. So it's the little bone. Oh. Like if you touch the outside of your knee and go down, you feel that that bump. That's the fibula. And it goes all the way down the outside of your leg to your outside ankle bone. I was I, uh, I was imagining no skin on his feet, like the outside of his foot. Oh, no. So... <laughs> I would have been curious because I'm that kind of nerd that likes to see x-rays. I would be curious to see like the x-rays of his feet as a child, but 
I doubt that that exists anywhere. I don't know. Um, but it said that the outside of both of his feet and then the fibula. So both keep saying as a child, does he grow his feet back? <laughs> no, he was born without them. It was a congenital birth defect. He didn't okay. have those things. So because of this, his parents chose before his first birthday to have his legs amputated below the knee. So he ended up with Damn. no lower leg and foot on either side. Damn. Yeah. He was taught to walk with prosthetic legs, which seemed to come fairly easy to him as he was able to adapt to them within six months. So he was up walking around within six months of having his legs, his lower half of his legs amputated. That's crazy. Yeah, I know. It's amazing. When Oscar was six, his parents got divorced and his mother eventually died when Oscar was 15 years old. Prosthetic legs didn't keep Oscar from pursuing sports as a child. He enjoyed playing cricket and rugby as well as wrestling and boxing. I can't imagine doing most sports on some days, let alone if I didn't have feet. But this guy really Those blades excelled. are pretty dope, though. They are dope, for I sure. Think it was a comedian that said... Uh, unfair advantage instead of unfair dis or unfair disadvantage <laughs> yeah well and those blades come up later as okay. a potential issue um rugby caused a knee injury when oscar was 16 and his rehabilitation included running this became a great outlet for him and he soon became very proficient at track events in January 2004, when Oscar was 17, he started competing as a sprinter, running the 100-meter race. About eight months later, he competed in the 2004 Paralympics in Athens, Greece. He was specialized. Um, he used specialized prosthetics that were designed for running. They were called, um, I didn't write it down, I can't remember. They were designed after the hind legs of a cheetah. So oh, wow. the if you've seen the running blades, the ones that like he used and that most ones, yeah, the little hook thing. Yeah, they were designed after the legs of a cheetah. That's cool. I know. It's so cool. Can they run faster with those? Well, that was part of the problem um, that the uh, International Athletic Association thought that it was an advantage for him. We'll get into that. Um, but to jump ahead a second, they did like a bunch of tests. One organization did tests that said it was an unfair advantage. And then another organization did tests that said, no, it really isn't an advantage that much. So okay. uh, in the 2004 Paralympics, he won the gold medal in the 200 meter race. He chose to pursue track af um, against other athletes, ones without disabilities, and he did fairly well. However, some of the organizations believed that his prosthetics gave him a competitive advantage, and in 2007, an international athletic organization banned him from competing against uh, able-bodied athletes. 
what they keep calling them. So people without disabilities. Um, so at that time, they started doing all these tests that were like trying to measure his speed and measure the force and measure like the amount of help that the the blades were assisting him with. But and they said, oh, yeah, he had like this huge advantage because of the blades that uh, runners without them didn't have. But he appealed that. And they did more studies that said, but he's at a disadvantage, like coming off the blocks for sprinters. He, that was his slowest portion of his race was trying to come off the blocks where sprinters with feet could feet get off the blocks. Launch. Right. Yeah. He couldn't do that. So, um, Makes sense. yeah, he appealed so did he the have ruling. to start from like a standing position. I'm not sure. I don't because you're I didn't typically watch any you're, of the races. You're on all fours when you start on a block like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I imagine it'd be, it'd be really hard to bend down on all fours with blades. I don't know. That's a good question. I'll have to go look and see. I'm sure it's all over YouTube or somewhere. It's got pictures because he appealed the ruling. It was overturned a year later. And um the timing of when he was banned from being in the able-bodied events um, prevented him from being in the 2008 Beijing Olympics, which is like a huge goal for him. He wanted to be in the regular, if you want to call it that. He wanted to be in the Olympics. So his new goal, because he couldn't get into 2008, was to be in the 2012 Olympics in London. Um, okay. He continued to train between the 2008 and 2012 Olympics. He won several titles along the way, and uh, those were both in standard competitions and ones for uh, athletes with disabilities. At one point, he was even ranked as 15th fastest in the world which I'm never oh, wow. going to make that. Yeah. So whether they were an advantage to him or not, he did rank 15th. Um, and some of the events that he did were relays and his slowest time was when he was the first leg because of coming off the blocks. His fastest times were once like at the end or in the middle, but um, in 2012, he made the Olympics, uh, the Olympic team for the 400 meter race, um, but was later eliminated in the semifinal round. The fact that he made it as far as he did was amazing considering his circumstances. I mean, historically, legs, yeah. right. He was the first amputee to compete in track at the Olympics. So there have been other athletes with disabilities who have competed in the Olympics versus the Paralympics. Um, but he was the first one to do it in track. Oh, so pretty cool. Um, throughout his running career, Oscar received awards for various organizations, including South African government and media groups like time magazine and the BBC. He was in, even given an honorary doctorate degree from a university in Glasgow. Like Russia? 
Scotland. Oh. Not long after the Olympics ended, though, Oscar was in the media again, but not for running. And these events would lead to some of those awards being rescinded. So he, he got some awards. People said, oh, you're this great guy. And then this other thing happened and they were like, never mind. We're going to take that back. You're not so cool after all. That's fucked up. So this is what happened. In February 2013, Oscar was arrested for shooting and killing his girlfriend, Reva Steenkamp. According to Oscar, he awoke to a noise on the morning of February 14th in his South African home. He believed there was an intruder inside his home. He was not wearing his prosthetics at the time, and that made him fear for his life. He thought, you know, I don't have my legs on, and there's an intruder in my house. So what he chose to do was get his gun and shoot into the bathroom where he thought the intruder was. Well, okay. there was someone in the bathroom, but it was his girlfriend. <sighs> I'm not sure. Yeah. So he shot through the locked bathroom door, hitting his girlfriend multiple times and killing her. Oh, God. <laughs> yep. Oscar was originally charged with premeditated murder, and the trial began in March 2014. During the trial, he claimed to be vulnerable without his prosthetics, which I totally understand. Um, he said that that vulnerability and some anxiety that he had led him to shoot through the door. However, prosecution claimed that the couple argued that night and that Reva locked herself in the bathroom to get away from him. The prosecution believed he shot through the door with the intention of killing her. And I saw it in one of the sources described as a, um, like a, like a water closet kind of thing. Basically that is like a small area where the toilet itself is not like a big bathroom. I don't know. I didn't see any like diagrams or anything in my sources, but, um, either way he shot through the, a locked door knowing somebody was on the other side. A neighbor reported that night that she heard a woman scream and a man yell for help, as well as several gunshots. Oscar did take the stand in his own defense. He maintained his story about an intruder and cried during his testimony. However, there were rumors in some of the sources that he took acting lessons before the trial. So, which made him look did, like an asshole. Was there any like evidence of someone breaking in? Like, why did he jump straight to intruder? No, that was just his story that he okay. thought he heard a noise in the house and he thought somebody had broken in. Okay. And so his, his tear filled testimony made him look bad because some people said that he took acting lessons, but I didn't see anywhere that that was like a for sure substantiated claim. So that could have just been a rumor. Maybe it happened. I don't know. Either way, he was on trial for murder. So after several months of trial, Oscar was found not guilty of premeditated murder. However, 
Soon after that, he was found guilty of a lesser crime of culpable homicide. And he was sentenced to five years in prison. Which doesn't seem appropriate, but... A year after the conviction and sentencing, Oscar was released from prison and placed on house arrest for four years. <clears throat> the law in South Africa only mandated him to serve one-sixth of his sentence in prison, which, uh, I, I mean, okay. every law, you know, every country has their own sets of laws and how they're, you know, calculated, but that seems kind of strange to me, but. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, so he only had to sit in prison for one sixth, and then after that, he could be, be released on house arrest with correctional supervision. So that's what happened. He got sent home, and they said, You still have to be supervised. But two months after that release, the Supreme Court of Appeals in South Africa ruled that Oscar was actually guilty of murder in the first degree. So they started with premeditated murder. They brought it down to a much lower charge. Then they brought it back up again, not to the full premeditated murder, but to murder in the first degree. The judges, the appeals judges believe that Oscar knew by shooting into the bathroom that he might kill the person and whether it was an intruder or his girlfriend was irrelevant. So they said, if you shoot into this small room, you know, you're going to hit somebody. It doesn't matter if it was your girlfriend or an intruder or whoever. You did it knowing that you could kill somebody. So based on that, in July 2016, he was sentenced to six years and returned to prison. But that sentence was soon appealed by the prosecution as being too lenient of a sentence, being six years versus five years it was really interesting. There were so many appeals in this case of going, no, we, we think that that sentence is too light. We think that that charge is too light. Um, the end result was, though, after all of the appeals, he was sentenced to 15 years for Reva's murder by the South African um, Supreme Court of Appeals. He attempted to get parole in 2023 but was denied. And his next um, eligible parole date will be in August of 2024. Hmm. And that is the story of the Olympic medal, well, Olympic track star who got to spend some time in jail. It's weird. You don't usually hear of like, I know a lot of heavy contact sports have some people that have killed people like football right right the whole cte aaron hernandez or whatever and yeah and yeah there's been a couple others too yeah because you're right it's been linked to violence and stuff so yeah i don't know you don't know when you hear of sprinters doing that i don't think sprinters get cte (laughs) Maybe he took some I mean, nasty spill on those blades, though. Yeah. That's true. That's true. You could definitely fall down and get a concussion. Yeah. That's super interesting. Wow. you have a chaser for us?
I do have a chaser. And that chaser is that um, I want to talk about the flights restaurant that we went to in Vegas. So that restaurant has multiple locations. They have got several in California and then the one in Vegas um, where we went. Um, But the menu is based around the idea of flights of food. Um, You went with us, so you know, but I'm going to tell all our listeners about this super cool restaurant because um, a lot of people know about like flights of beer. If you go to, um, you know, to like a brewery or if you go to a winery, they have flights of wine and you get to have small portions of multiple different flavors and multiple different kinds. Um, And that's basically what this restaurant does is that it do small portions of different kinds of food um, and so we, we went there and had everything that was on that menu in Vegas, I think, um, all of the different flights. And there was a macaroni and cheese flight. There was a taco flight. There was a cheesecake flight for dessert. Uh, they had different flights of cocktails. So three different kinds of mule and three different kinds of margaritas. And the food was so good. A lot of times you go to, I feel like you go to a big restaurant like that where there's a theme or there's like some kind of a, you know, exactly a gimmick. And like the food is just like meh, you know, it's like decent, but it's not great. But man, that food was so good. It was really good. There was some stuff that I was like, I don't really need to eat any more of that. But the truffle mac and cheese Oh my god, that was my favorite part was the truffle mac and cheese. I love the empanadas. I think those are my favorite part. Oh really? Those were really good. Yeah. yeah. They were it was such good food. It was really good food. So the mules were kind of eh though. Yeah. They weren't great. No. But the food was was good. It was hard it was to really good. I feel like we're all trying to be too polite by not eating the last thing. So we had just like a couple of fries or like one chicken like chicken wings sitting there. And yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's your turn. <laughs> well, do you have a chaser? What's your chaser? My chaser is a YouTube channel that I found called Victor the Good Boss, one word. And oh. he he owns a landscaping company and a, a masonry company, I believe. And he he makes videos driving around and offering like homeless people jobs. And if they're like drug addicts or anything, he'll get them put into a detox before they work and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Where is he at? Do you know? His, like what city? I have no idea what city he's at. That's super cool. I'll have to look into that. That's neat. Yeah. I saw a couple of videos and I was like, oh, this is really cool. Instead of just That's like definitely a feel-good story. Giving him money or anything, he gives him a job and he's got... I mean, I'll, I think a lot of them don't end up taking his offer, but he's got a couple that he'll make videos with. He's like, this guy, like I help get off the streets. There's one, I think his name is Kevin, and he... uh he helped them get across the country to start oh, working cool. with him. Yeah. 
That's awesome. That was a pretty cool That's story. That's super neat. I like that. Well, thank you for telling us that weird LA story. Yeah, I think that just about brings us to our the end of our short podcast. All it does. Past ones have been fairly short, short, but yeah, that's fine. Yeah, it's all good. Hearing about your Paralymp- Paralympic. Was he an actual Olympian? Did he make it to the real yeah. Olympics or just? Yeah, okay. he was in the 2012 uh, London Olympics. Okay. He got he got out in the semifinals, but he made it to the Olympic team. I remember watching him and being like, holy cow. Wow. Well, I enjoyed hearing about that, even though he fucking yeah. smoked his wife. <laughs> yeah, girlfriend. Uh, Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. Hey, friends. Thank you for supporting our podcast. Please share our show with your brutal and bizarre friends. Give us a boozy follow on your favorite podcast platform. If you're feeling extra generous, we'd appreciate a five-star rating or review as well. But maybe do that sober so all the letters are in the right place. You can find all our contact information in the show notes. We love hearing from you, and if you're interested in helping us stock the bar for our future boozy episodes, you can find our Patreon link in the show notes as well.